This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. So this morning, um, we're going to jump into the message. As you can see, we have a boat on the platform. Now, it is going to go along with my message, but I remember as a kid, I would go fishing with my dad. And we had an aluminum boat like that, and it was so fun. And I think I liked getting the sun more than the fish, but, you know, I got sunfish too, so it was fun. Um, But, you know, we got this boat. We kept one guy away from opening fishing this weekend, so thanks, uh, Tom Killian, for letting us use your boat. So, yeah, there's always more than one reason for a prop, right? We get all you guys into church on opening fishing. So as a kid, one of my favorite songs was I Love a Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit. The song talked about loving the lightning and the thunder as it lights up the sky. Oh, it makes me feel good. And I remember being in my room, hidden under my covers, and it would be lightning outside, and I felt all safe, but I loved to hear that song. But I didn't like it when weather became a little bit more severe, like tornadoes, hailstorms, flooding, high winds, and green skies. How many of you remember a couple summers ago when we had the hailstorm come through here, right, in the northern suburbs? And it took some of us a year to get our house fixed after that storm. A year and a half, I heard from the front right here. So storms are even worse when they pop up when we're traveling, like when we're driving, flying, or boating. One time I was in the airplane and they talked about a storm, we're gonna fly around the storm, and then all of a sudden the turbulence started coming and we're dropping out of the sky a little bit, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't like these kind of storms. So another time my kids and I were out driving and I had to pick up one of my kids from a sporting event. It was on a Wednesday night, so we're gonna pick him up from the Blaine Sports Center, we're gonna run down to church, and I look and I notice the sky is getting a little bit dark, and thought, well, I think we can make it, we can make it. And so we stop by the sports center and then all of a sudden the wind picks up, things start blowing, flying in the air, then things are hitting the vehicle and we begin praying. How many know that when there's a storm you really improve your intercessory prayer life? And my kids got to see a front row example of that. So we began to pray and we thought, well, now we got to turn around and you know, try to make it home. We didn't make it home. We ended up stopping at one of my boy's friend's house, and we sat in the basement with the other mom, and we were, like, shaking. Later, we found out right where we were at the very same time, there was a tornado touchdown in Blaine, right by that uh, sports complex. So um, I don't like those kind of storms. So each of us have moments in our life when everything is okay, and then suddenly it's not okay. We find ourselves in a situation that seems to have blown into our lives out of nowhere. Your long-time job suddenly seems uncertain. You did all the things you could to take care of your health and do all these precautionary things, and you find yourself in a clinic getting a bad report. Your spouse seems cold and distant. You discovered your kid is being bullied at school. Storms can be emotional, financial, relational, job-related, health-related, or various other things that we cannot control. They cause us to feel unsettled and uncertain about the future. Storms are inevitable of every person's life. So just like in nature, storms can be caused by various things. Sun shifts in temperature, varying humidity, a shift in the atmosphere, but one thing is for sure, storms are out of our control. 
Humans, we try to control everything. We've got technology and medical advances. We have apps on our phone to track our kids. We can turn their phone apps off. We can try to control so many things. But with all these advances, one thing we haven't figured out how to control is the weather. We can't even hardly predict the weather. So author and speaker Susie Larson said, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truth we need, which was one of my inspirations for today's message. Pastor Nate and I found ourselves on our anniversary trip and just had some uncertainty and you know, a little bit of a storm going on at home. And um, I began to pray and I said, Lord, what is this storm supposed to reveal? And God began to show me how I felt overly responsible for things that really weren't my control. And in fact, I had held other people responsible for things that weren't their control either. And instantly, as I was on that trip, God said to my heart, Jody, what are you afraid of? And I said to the Lord what I was afraid of, and he said, you don't need to be afraid. And instantly, the fear left. So it's opening fishing this weekend, so today's props appropriate, and I like fishing. And the title of today's message is called Anchors Away. Anchors Away is a term used on a ship, which means lift up the anchors so you can set in motion. There are different kinds of anchors. There are sea anchors that sometimes sailors use in the middle of the ocean to slow the ship down. But most of the anchors are used near shore to keep the ship from moving in the first place. No one ever intentionally uh, sets sail in the middle of a storm. The storms just pop up when you're out traveling. During the storm, sailors often steer into the storm and move ahead, even if it's ever so slightly. You don't want to drop anchor and get stuck in the middle of the storm. So let's go, anchors away. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about storms. And today, I'm going to touch on some storms that occurred when people were in boats traveling somewhere that God called them to do. I believe in the Lord will challenge each and every one of us to forge ahead in his plans that he has for us. And in the middle of the storm, we don't want to get weighed down or stopped. So today I'm going to talk about four storms and four anchors that weigh us down. All right, so the first storm is Noah and the ark. Now, this story can be found in Genesis 6 through chapter 9. And if you want to jot that down, you can read it later if you want, but... I'm going to summarize a lot of that story this morning. Basically, God looks around the earth and sees that everyone has become, become corrupt and sinful. God was sorry that he created humans. In fact, the Bible says it broke his heart. Noah was the only righteous person on the earth, and God speaks to him. God told, tells him that he's going to flood the earth and destroy every living creature, and that Noah needed to build a boat uh, Noah and his family would be saved along with two of every animal. Noah obeyed God, and it happened just like God said. So Noah builds the ark, God closes the door, he and his family are inside with the animals and everything that God told them to prepare. The Bible said that the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky, and it rained for 40 days and nights and flooded the whole earth. This is something that had never happened before. In Genesis 7:18, it says, as the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. So do you catch what's happening? Noah and his family are floating on the storm. 
It was almost a year before Noah and his family went out on dry land. And after the flood, the Bible says that, that God spoke to Noah and his sons. They were exactly where God wanted them to be to repopulate the earth. They moved during the storm, and God made a promise that he would never flood the earth again, and he signified that by a rainbow. Hebrews 11:7 says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes from God. Now, there are a lot of things we can learn from this storm, but I'm going to name a few. Noah learned that he had to stand alone. God spoke to Noah, and Noah listened to God and obeyed. Noah did not cause this storm, but God was in the storm, and it was a result of the corruption and the sinful society. This storm still affected Noah and his family. Noah and his family obeyed God and were spared, and the storm was long, but it did eventually pass. So the first anchor that I want to talk about today, I'm going to see if I can do this without dropping it on my foot. All right. So this is anchors away. The first anchor I want to talk about today is people-pleasing. Now, Noah was the only righteous person on the earth. And if Noah would have given in to people-pleasing, it would have weighed his boat down and prevented him from being where God wanted him. It would have stopped him if he would have been a people-pleaser. It would have held him back, and the ark would have never been built. He and his family would not have been saved. So it's important to not get weighed down by people-pleasing, crowd-following. We need to listen to God instead. Don't follow the crowd, it'll hold you back. Some people are like Noah. They're living right before God in a corrupt world. And there are other wicked people around them headed for judgment. Honor God and be willing to stand alone for him. I remember being in a public high school. And my um, parents, my mom had really high standards, um, you know, moral standards, and us kids followed those as well. And my sisters and I were called the religious morels. Now, that was my maiden last name, so people were like, religious morel. And we would get teased a little bit, um, but we had to be willing to stand for God alone. And sometimes you might feel like that, like you're the only righteous person living in your family and in your relatives, your workplace, but you have to be willing to stand alone and remember that God sees you and he's going to do a work in you and in your family. All right, the second storm is Jonah and the whale. This is also found in the Old Testament. Now, God destroyed the earth, or just flooded the earth, and um, they repopulated the earth, and then we find that in the, um, the people started becoming corrupt again. But this time, instead of destroying everyone, God's going to give them a chance to repent. So God talks to Jonah and says this in Jonah 1-2. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So here Jonah's a prophet, he's a messenger of God, and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. So he buys a ticket and goes in the opposite direction to the city of Tarshish. The Bible says he was hoping to escape from the Lord. Now, how many of you know that you can't escape from the Lord? Right? Can't escape from the Lord. So Jonah 1, verse 4, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. 
Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo, cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So Jonah buys his ticket. He's going on a ship, going in the opposite direction. He's sleeping and relaxing. There's a storm going on. Everybody else on the ship is working like crazy, and he is sleeping. So the captain comes and wakes him up and tells him to pray to his god. And the crew talks, and they cast lots, and they want to find out who was responsible for the storm, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him who he was and what he did, and um, he let them know he was a servant of God. So we're going to skip down to Jonah 1.9. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for, they, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, now I want you to catch this, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, the Bible says that Jonah, I cried to the Lord in my great trouble, and he heard me. Jonah cried, and you heard the people on the ship were crying too. How many people know that when things get rough, we pray differently, right? When we cry to the Lord, he hears our cry. So Jonah goes on and he's praying in the belly of the whale and he promised to fulfill his vows to the Lord. The fish spits him back up on the shore and he gets a second chance. The Lord speaks to him again and this time Jonah obeyed the Lord and went to Nineveh to deliver the Lord's message. Now, Nineveh was this violent uh, place where uh, people were killing people and scared and it'd be like telling Pastor Nate, a servant of the Lord, to go to ISIS and preach the word. And he was like, no. I mean, he wouldn't say no, but maybe I would. But <laughs> then I'd probably get swallowed by a whale and get there anyhow. <laughs> so he fulfills his uh, vows. The people, he goes to Nineveh preaches the word, and just like he thought, the people repented, and they turned to God. And God ended up not judging them and saving the city. So isn't this amazing? What can we learn from this story? God spoke to Jonah, and Jonah did not obey God the first time. The storm was a result of Jonah's disobedience this time. It wasn't the crew's fault, but they were in the storm and working hard to try to get things fixed. The crew had to have a conversation with Jonah and threw him overboard at his direction. The storm stopped, it passed, and repentance followed. 
So the next anchor in our boat that we don't want to stop and have us weigh down is disobedience. Now, aren't you glad that we serve a God of the second chance? So here, Jonah is disobedient to the Lord. God tells him to do one thing and he does another, and the whole crew pays for it. Disobedience will weigh you down and cause a storm in your life and for those around you. So if you are like Jonah, you need to take responsibility for the storm, the storm that you're causing in other people's lives, and you need to repent, and you need to go where God has asked you to go. And God will give you a second chance, you'll hear his voice, and there's a city waiting for you to reach. Well, if you're like the sailors in this story, you need to stop and pray, and you need to quit allowing disobedience to stay in your boat. No more enabling disobedience to the Lord. The storm will get worse for you as the sailors if you keep allowing disobedience in your boat. Talk to your Jonah, draw some boundaries, let go, and let God. Now, parents, listen to me. If we think enabling our prodigal son or daughter is going to help them, it's not. In the New Testament, when the prodigal son came to his dad, they had a conversation and he let him go. He didn't come back to his dad until he felt the consequences of his decision, which brought him to his senses. And we need to do the same thing in our lives. If we look and we go, we've got a storm going on, our finances are getting terrible, we've got lots of anxiety because of choices that other people are making, they're running from God, disobeying God, we need to pray to God and talk to Jonah and say, Jonah, it's time to get out of the boat. They could not row hard enough to save his life, and we can't do all the things either to save someone's life. We have to let go and let God. Storms are scary, and there's nothing like a good storm to improve everyone's prayer life. Jonah cried to the Lord, the people cried out to the Lord, and we all pray differently when we cry to the Lord. Let go and let God, and eventually, Jonah, if you're Jonah or you have a Jonah, will get to the place that God called him in the first place. Amen? The third storm that I want to talk about is Jesus calming the storm. And this is in Mark 4, starting in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now there's a couple things we can take away from this story as well. We can't control the weather as humans, but Jesus could. He's not human, he's supernatural, he is God. Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and cross to the other side. Jesus was with the disciples in the boat. The disciples still shouted at Jesus and woke him up, and they questioned him, and he questioned them. The storm eventually stopped. 
The third anchor that will hold us back and weigh us down is fear. I'm like trying to not fear to have this drop on my toe. Um, but fear is an anchor that will weigh us down and keep us from moving to the place that God wants us to go. Anchors are things that stop us from moving forward, and today we're talking about anchors away. Sometimes when we're in the middle of a storm, we question if God cares. We speak out of fear instead of faith. When fear knocks at your door, we need to answer it with faith. Fear will weigh us down and keep us out of moving ahead into the place that God has for us. In the previous chapter before um, Jesus calms the store in Mark 3, Jesus had just named his 12 disciples. He gave them authority to preach and to cast out demons. He told a bunch of parables. They watched him miraculously feed the 5,000. Then he instructs them to get in the boat and cross over the other side, and he went with them. Everything was fine until it wasn't fine. When the storm arose, they questioned if he cared. Hello? Jesus was with them. He rebukes them for their lack of faith and commands the wind and the sea to stop. Sometimes I picture Jesus getting up and asking them, do you care? Do you care? When we're in the middle of the storm, we begin to feel things at a deeper level and we expect God just to pop up and wake up and take care of all of our needs and all of our ailments. But Jesus was sleeping because he knew they're going to get to the other side. He's not worried about sinking and being defeated. He's full of faith. Jesus is faith. So they shouted at him, and sometimes the storms in us reveal Jesus' power. But sometimes the storms in us also reveal the holes in our own faith. It's time to believe God at his word, ask for his help, and when he says, let's cross over to the other side, we need to believe we'll arrive in the place that he is destined for us. Call on Jesus in the storm. So the last storm I want to talk about is Paul's shipwreck. And this is found in Acts 27. If you want to read the whole thing, you can, but I'm just going to skip around and uh, paraphrase the story and read a few verses. So Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel. He appeals to Caesar and as a prisoner finds himself on a boat headed for Rome. Because it was late in the fall, it was getting more dangerous to travel and Paul warns the crew not to go because it's like stormy season. Acts 27.10. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owners than to Paul. Because Paul was a prisoner, he was forced to go with them. Then the storm blew in abruptly with typhoon strength called a northeaster, and the boat continued to sail with great difficulty. Jumping down to verse 18, Acts 27, 18. The next day, as a gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storms raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last, all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time, and finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. How many of you love those kind of opportunities? Get to tell people, I told you. You would have avoided this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Doesn't that doesn't sound too encouraging to me? Like, you're going to live, but the ship is still sinking. 
For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It'll be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Now about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, that's a long storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. So we got our four anchors. We're going to get the fourth one. Um, The fourth anchor is hopelessness. So we, you can see in the story, Paul's dealing with the other anchors as well because they've got fear, they've got other people not sure that he's doing the right thing. And so the fourth anchor is hopelessness. And hopelessness occurs in our lives when we have a negative outlook about the future and we're not sure what's going to happen. So I'm going to jump back to verse 39 on Acts 27. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. They lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. Everyone lived. They were holding on to driftwood. The, the boat broke apart, pieces of wood, but everyone made it like God said. Now, there were 276 people on this boat, and they all lived. So this is what I love about the story of Paul. God will speak to us in our darkest hour and make us a beacon of hope for those others who are in the storm. And in the middle of the storm, priorities are aligned real quick. We can start throwing cargo overboard, whether we're overcommitted in our jobs, if we're overcommitted in our health, whatever it is, when things start getting rough, it's easy to prioritize. There are stormy seasons in all of our lives. Time when you're in the teenage years or young adult, when people are establishing their careers, there are other seasons that just are stormy. God promises safety for us in the storm, but it doesn't mean there won't be some loss. The storm was long and hard, but eventually it passed. So the fourth anchor, again, is hopelessness. We all hit points in our lives when we feel hopeless. We feel like we're powerless over the storm, powerless to change the future outcome. But God is in control, and he is the God of hope. He sent an angel in the middle of the storm to Paul to let him know that he was with them. And Paul did not buy into hopelessness. The Bible says he believed God. So when we're in the middle of our storm, we need, if we don't have a promise that we're all going to survive, we need to stop and pray and get a word from God. So Paul began encouraging others on the ship, and that Hopelessness will weigh you down and stop you from moving forward. Don't let hopelessness stop your boat. So maybe I should have called this whole message storm chasers because that's kind of what it feels like. But really, the best part of the message is that all these people eventually made it onto dry land. For Noah, God made a covenant and a promise to never destroy the earth by flood. God spoke to Noah before the flood, but after the flood, the Bible says he also talked to Noah and his sons. 
Uh, sometimes things happen in the boat where our family can actually get closer to God as well. Jonah was spit up on shore, and he got a second chance. He heard God speak to him again, and this time he obeyed. Something changed in, Noah, or in Jonah during the storm. He repented, and then he was willing to deliver the message to Nineveh. That's not all. The people on the boat repented too, and revival broke out on the, on the place in Nineveh when they all repented. So after Jesus calmed the sea, Jesus and the disciples landed on the shore, and a man was delivered from demons. The, spirits, uh, the disciples grew in their faith and the understanding of Jesus' power. Deliverance followed the storm. After the shipwreck, Paul was bitten by a snake on the island, and he didn't die. It gave more credibility, and healing broke out all over the island as he prayed for people. Eventually, he would end up in Rome, just like God said. So do you hear what I'm saying this morning? God is doing a work in the storm. He's working in you, and he's moving you. Your family will hear God. There's revival, deliverance, and healing on the other side of the storms. Storms are temporary, but they work out things that are permanent in our lives, and they change us and grow us in our faith. And as my mother-in-law always said, this too shall pass. You know what all those uh, characters in the Bible would say? Anchors away. Cut all the anchors. Leave them in the sea. Storms move us. If you let the anchors weigh you down and hold you back, when the storm passes, you'll find that you're stuck in the middle of the lake wondering why you didn't make any progress. Remember that God is with you in the storm. Cut the weights of people-pleasing. Please God instead. Cut the weight of disobedient. Oh, disobedience. Obey the Lord instead. Cut the weight of fear. When fear knocks at your door, answer it with faith instead. Cut the weight of hopelessness. Keep moving ahead and encouraging those in your boat. God will do something in you and through you if you anchors away. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. I want everyone here to experience hope. I want you to make it through the challenges of life. Remember, there are other people in the storm with you. Most importantly, God is with you. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out emmanuelcc.org. Emmanuel Sunday services can be seen live every week at 9 and 11 a.m. at emmanuelcc.org.